Welcome to the Big Church Podcast. We are a church in Barrie, Ontario, Canada, and we hope you are blessed by this message. For more information, check out our website at bigchurch.cc. We just thank you. Praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. So today I wanted to talk about how do we receive the righteousness of God. I think I might be... I feel like if I step back here, the monitors are picking up the mic here. Um, <clears throat> and when I think about how to receive the righteousness of God, one of the things that I find is, um, you know, a lot of us stick to our traditions. You know, like when you uh, when you look at like um, like Catholics, for example, you know, they have to do those rosaries on a regular basis, right? And it's a task. There's an association of a of a task that they have to do um, in order to be able to receive that righteousness. And so I feel like there's always sort of like a religious wall or like um, another sort of like layer that, that uh, gets in the way whenever, um, whenever we're trying to, um, to really adapt and learn what, what the righteousness of God is. You know, like if I become a Christian, you know, like when I became a Christian, sorry, when I was, when I was young, you know, um, it's like you almost kind of feel like after, you know, you've been at it for a while that, you know, it's, it's okay now, right? Like I've, I've ob- obtained some areas of righteousness. I've obtained some areas of maturity or, or, or whatever that is, right? And so, you know, I find that a lot of us um, will start saying to ourselves, like, there's something that I've done that has accomplished something spiritually. And so because I accomplished that in myself, then I'm able to justify myself as being a righteous individual. And so I find that when we really get ourselves to a place where we say, okay, you know, my own righteousness is justification for salvation, or my own righteousness is justification for being able to say that I'm a good person, it's never going to be a strong enough case to actually um, inherit God's attention, because um, I want to really bring out some, some solid scripture verses that talk about this, because the one thing that I find is, you know, if you actually look in, like, Leviticus 16, I'm not going to go there, but, um, you know, the high priest, they couldn't go into the Holy of Holies without a sacrifice, without bathing, burning incense, and other ritual practices, and they did these types of activities as a way to get themselves purified to go into the Holy of Holies, where the high priest was able to go into the Holy of Holies, and that was, um, there was like a time frame on like when they would go in there and how they would go in there and the process. And you can look it up in Leviticus 16 if you want to look a little deeper into it. Um, And if you really think about it, all they could do was touch the toe of God. They could just literally scratch the surface, but there was still a sacrifice that had to be made. There was still different types of things that they had to do. So it wasn't even still based on their own righteousness because they still had been at fault. They still had to play the, you know, they still had to provide that sacrifice. And um, it's an interesting dilemma because we find that, you know, through Christ, that he became that, that perfect lamb, that perfect sacrifice, that righteousness that allows us to have ac- um, access to our heavenly father. So, you know, even what we had temporally, back when we had a high priest, was not 
even, like, it was good enough to maybe touch his toe, but it, it still wasn't very powerful, right? Like, I mean, there was a lot of work that they had to do to get there. But when we have Jesus, we have a new way to be able to have access to the Father. And it was a fulfillment of that law. It was a fulfillment of him being that perfect sacrifice. And so there's a way that we can get to God's righteousness. And so, um, you know, so there's a, a lot of separation. And so the cross was that bridge, right? We are forever forgiven, right? Through the blood of the cross, through the blood of Jesus that he paid, right? When he shed that blood for you and, and I. But I feel like we lose the potency of that blood. We lose the, the, the strength of that blood when we don't rely upon the blood to always be the blood throughout our lives, throughout the entirety of the course of how we act out our, our, our character and, and, and learn how to become righteous, that we don't be codependent upon that. And it's like we almost get to a place of complacency where we can say to ourselves, like, I've already obtained enough righteousness in myself, or I'm already seen as being a really good person, or I'm, I'm good enough as it is. Like, do you understand? Like, people look at me and nobody says anything negative towards me. No one, you know, uh, tells me that I'm a bad person, right? Like, I'm actually a pretty good person in the eyes of people, right? And so there's this construed reality that we factor into our, in our minds. We, we get this construed reality of, you know, well, the righteousness that I have, I don't want to get rid of. And we think that that's justification for coming to God because we get ensnared by ourselves, thinking that our righteousness is now good enough to be able to come close with God. But we don't rely upon that same blood that freed us and made us righteous. We don't understand how that principle is even like how that was orchestrated and then follow those, those, the rules on how that works. So we're going to go into all that. Sorry if it's so abstract, and I'm just trying to lay a blueprint of what I'm wanting to talk about today. But if it's very, it sounds very like high up, high in the sky kind of thing, I'm going to break it down into a whole bunch of scripture verses and make everything make sense. I just, you know, if the nutshell didn't, didn't nutshell it for you, then that's fine. Don't worry about it. Just follow along. Okay, so Romans... 321 to 31. And this is a cool thing. So if you guys are wanting to get into um, a study in Romans on Tuesdays, that's what, um, what we're actually studying. We're going through the book of Romans right now. We've got six more weeks before we um, are finishing. Um, we're going into Romans 4 next. But this uh, passage of scripture was really cool. It stood out to me. And, and one of the things I wanted to talk about today and tie into a little bit of the message. So it says here, it says, but now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. But it is the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all those who believe, for there is no distinction, for all have sinned. All. Everyone say all. 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 Including me. Including, you know, Grandma, how long have you been saved for? <laughs> Okay, so including you, right? Are you part of the all? Are you part of the all? <laughs> like, we all have sinned, yeah. We all have sinned. And so we're all part of that, right? And so it says, um, <clears throat> so it says here that all have sinned and fall short of what? The glory of God. The glory, right? What's the glory, right? Do you even know what the glory is? 
right? When they went into the Holy of Holies, that was a really important place. Like, when you looked at even the, when they first established that and God showed a very healthy example of what that looked like was back um, was, uh, with Solomon, right? Like, when, um, when, he, when they did the sacrifice, they did uh, they blew the trumpets, everything, and, like, God literally just took the offering and, right? And then, like, um, he, took, he took the offering up. I don't want to go into all those scriptures, but it's like there was, there was like this awe moment of like, wow, look at what God can do. Like, look at the power of like God. Look at how, how awesome he is. And, and there was like this establishment, right, of like the temple and like what God established through that. And so, <clears throat> you know, God's glory was able to rest in a place, right? It said that God's glory rested in um, like in Jerusalem, right? Like it rested in his temple. Like that's where he habitated, right? And then it was like even when they, when they left and they, they got persecuted, they went to Babylon, like it was like the glory of the Lord went there. Like, you know, you have like Elijah saying, you know, like I see his throne and it's like these, you know, these angelic beings and, and there's these wheels and, and it was like that the, the throne room of God was like moved, right? Like it literally, like God literally moved. And so there's this glory that comes through, um, through the uh, through the temple, there's a there's an actual um, glory that was associated with God Himself. Like He literally came and He actually cohabitated with people, and like He consumed up right like all of the the sacrifice like back at, you know at, at the temple and like other things that God did when He came and and was with the people in close proximity. And so this is the this is that glory that there's that there's a presence of God right that you can't have blemish in, in the presence of God. You, you will be ashamed, right? Like, you know, you look at Adam and Eve in the, in the Bible, it said that as soon as they bit of the, the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, that instantly they recognized that they were naked. They recognized and they said, wow, like, I'm a, I'm a sinner, right? And so they recognized that, boom, because the knowledge of good and evil, and they had the aspect of evil inside of them. So it's like, there's an, a realm of purity that comes through only through the, um, through the righteousness that God's established. But by accessing that righteousness, you enter into a place called the, where you can get to the glory of God. You can actually um, get to that place. It's an actual physical, like, interactionable sort of, like, area where things happen between God and you. You get access to that form of glory, to a higher level of glory, which is knowing who God is, which is being close to God and actually having that communion with him. So this is where we go with this. Is, so it says, as we go on, it says, being justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption, which is in Jesus Christ. Being justified as a gift that now your righteousness now is a gift that you've received through Jesus Christ when he paid that price on, on the cross. Anyways, I'm just going to read the whole thing, and then we'll, we'll dissect it. Okay. So, whom God displayed publicly as a um, propitiation in his blood through faith. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so, this was to demonstrate his righteousness, because in God's merciful restraint, he let the sins previously committed go unpunished. For the a demonstration, that is, of his righteousness at the present time, so that he would be justified and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus, where then is, uh, sorry, where then is boasting? 
it has been ex um, excluded. But what kind of law? Of works? No, but by a law of faith. For we maintain that a person is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Or is God the God of the Jews only? Is he not the God of the Gentiles also? Yes, of Gentiles also, since indeed God who will justify the, circumci um, the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith is one. Do we then nullify the law through faith? Um, far from, from it. On the contrary, we establish the law. So what do we see in this whole unpacking of this scripture? Well, first we, we understand that it's through the blood of Christ it was through that faith, through the blood of Christ, through the blood that was shed for you and I, that we get to enter into what? To a promise that God actually set up for us. And it even said that God was withholding, right? That wrath, he was withholding it. And it was like to that present time when Christ came and actually paid for that atonement. And then he fulfilled that law. And then he actually became that sacrifice that they were providing even at the temple. Like it was all... There's very, a lot of symbolism. If you talk to like a Messianic Jew, there's a whole symbolism that goes along with how Christ came and, and, and how that all relates to different things in the Old Testament. And there's so much symbolism there. And so, and, and prophecy. But in, through that justification, now you have this blood, this power through the blood that gets you access to your heavenly Father, that gets you access to to the glory of who Christ, um, or of who God is. You can have access to that loving relationship of getting to know who God is. And so it's through Jesus, and it's through his righteousness. So the only way that you ever become justified is through the righteousness of not you. You do not have access through righteousness. You do not have, you know, I can go up to my dad and say, you do not have righteousness. Mom, you do not have righteousness. I can point at myself and say, Aaron, you do not have righteousness. You want to know what I have? I have a gift. You know what that gift is? His righteousness. You know what that gift is? Jesus Christ. You know what that gift is? It's faith in the blood of Jesus Christ. That is what I hang my hat on for righteousness. So when you talk to people in church, how many of us feel justified in ourselves to say, well, I've, I've adapted enough righteousness in myself? I've grown into a righteous person. I've become this righteous being. But how did you become something that the Bible says is not who you are, right? It's not defined by you. It's defined by Christ. It is Christ in you that determines if you're going to be made righteous. Christ through you, through the blood of Christ, that you become righteous. You are not righteous independent of yourself. So here's the question I ask is when I see people that actually go into church and they don't participate, not just even in church, but just in godly fellowship and godly communion, I, I ask the question of, have you become righteous enough? Are you in and of yourself now righteous? Because I feel like somehow we get to a place where we said, I've accepted the Lord as my Savior, so now I'm justified. Now I've, I've obtained everything I need to obtain, so now I'm, I'm, I'm going to be able to have access. But guess what? It's not. The only way you become connected with that form of righteousness is Christ. Is Christ. How do you, how do you get that righteousness? Do you want to feel righteous? Do you know what it's like when you feel righteous? You, you know what it's like, right? 
It's like when you got saved. When you got saved, how did you feel? How did you feel when you got saved? Did you feel clean? Did you feel justified? And guess what? At that time, you came close proximity with who? With the one who justified you. Now here's the question. How often do you hang out with the one who justified you? And then how often do you feel righteous? Because your righteousness came through the gift of Christ. So when you access that gift through Christ, when you atone of your, when you get your, your atonement for your sins through Christ, and you fellowship with him, and you stay there, that is your forgiveness. You, wanna, you do something wrong, you, you, feel, you feel off in yourself, you want to know what, what the habit we need to do? I need to, I need to go and have, a fel- and have a conversation with Jesus. And I need to stay there for a while. And you know what you do? You, you have a shower in the blood of Christ. You have, you have a cleansing of Christ in you. And guess what? That cleansing doesn't need to stop because you want to know what will, what will make you feel even continually righteous is remaining in the blood of Christ, remaining in proximity to Jesus. So now my question is, when you see people that don't actually have engagement with the cross or even with coming into church, and then you wonder why, you know, you have, um, you know, statistics in the church, and, you know, I'm not trying, I'm, I'm not going to, don't put this as hate, okay? This isn't, I'm not hating anybody, but I'm just saying that the, the result of our action creates something, okay? It creates something. So when, when, I, when I repent and turn to God, there's a result that happens out of that, right? So everything that we do, every action causes a reaction, right? An equal reaction. So just like the Bible says, if you plant seeds of, of, of like good seed, right, it can only produce good things. When you plant bad seed, it only produces bad things. So here's the thing, right? So if you have a church that doesn't actually do church, okay, let's say we don't act in righteousness, what's the fruit of that? What's your action? What's, what happens as a result of that action? It's very simple. It's very simple. It's going to be not God, right? Because there's no action towards God. There's no, there's no righteousness in it because it's, it's all man, okay? And here's the thing. So I've talked to, you know, you talk to a lot of people, right, that, you know, are suffering with things like pornography, as an example. It's rampant. You have over 50%, right, of churches and leaders and different ones, right, that, that have that kind of a sin, right, an ensnarement of that in their, in their church, in their congregation. So let me ask you a question. So if that's an ensnarement, how often are these people spending time in the righteousness of Christ? And how often do they spend that time in communion with Christ and then with people that are in that sphere of wanting to be in that you know, in the fellowship with others that are in that form of Christ. Or let's take another example. What about people that are doing drugs, right? Or here, how about this one? What about if someone just gets angry? Or how about this one? What if somebody just is lethargic? What if they're just lazy? What if they just, what, like, there's so many things that, that happen. So when I look in, when you look at a church and, and you say to yourself, okay, like how close in proximity are these people getting to Christ? That's a great determination to know how much righteousness they're really obtaining because it's the blood of Christ. When you, when you know that somebody's spending that time in the word of God, when you know that person is spending that time getting to know who Jesus is, getting to know the blood 
of that power, that wonder-working power. And they're saying, I'm going to come and I'm going to always rest in that place of being underneath that form of righteousness. When you feel off, I'm going to rest in that place of righteousness. When you remember what it was like when you got first saved, that's what it's like when you go into that place of righteousness. And you can live there. And the church becomes alive because it's now a place of actual habitation. There's things that are taking place there. So I want to bring out a really cool scripture, or um, sorry, a really kind of like slam you in the face kind of scripture first. So let's go to Matthew 23, 25 to 28. It says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you clean the outside of the cup and of the dish, but inside they are full of robbery and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, um, first clean the inside of the cup and of the dish so that the outside of it may also become clean. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which on the outside appear beautiful, but instead they are full of dead man's bones and all uncleanness. So you too outwardly appear righteous to people, but inwardly you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. <laughs> and, you know, I could, I could actually, if we want, we can pull it up and I can, you know, if you think, if you think that's rough, like this is Christ, okay? He's the one that's allowed to say that. But, you know, I would pull that scripture up. It goes on and he goes into whitewashed tombs and all sorts of things. You want to be a whitewashed tomb? How many whitewashed tombs do we have sitting in the pews? Okay? <laughs> like, come on, guys. I don't know. I don't, hey, I'm not pointing a finger. I'm just asking you the question. If you're feeling convicted, don't, you know? Yeah, don't, don't point that on me. I'm just saying, like, that's scripture. But guess what? You want to know what's interesting about that? You want to know where the human side of that is? Is <clears throat> don't expose the sin right? How many of churches don't expose the sins of what are going on, okay? Don't expose the sin, you know, because it might, you know, hurt, right, that person. Okay, it might hurt that person for a while, but that person needs cleansing, right? So, Let's not be so shy to bring up the fact that we are needing repentance, that we need to come to know who Christ is, and that we know what his blood can cleanse us from. Because if we're just going to be a whitewashed tomb and everybody's going to get up there, and you've got, you know, worship leaders that are, you know, doing a lot of really nasty things on their week, right? Or different people serving in the church, and they don't love really God in their week, and they're doing things behind the scenes that are really not so good, right? But they're really good musicians. Oh, they're really good sound technicians. Oh, they're really good at greeting people. Oh, they're very people-oriented individuals. They can really draw a crowd. I don't care. It doesn't matter. It has no, rev it has no uh, relevance to what is important. You want to know what's important? When you bring up sin. You want to know what's important? When you take the sin and you put it at the cross and you take the blood of Christ and you become cleansed. And guess what? You want to know something else? Here's something really powerful is that that cleansing power 
is so potent that you become completely free, that you get to be completely made whole. You want to know what politicians have a problem with? Okay, let's say I go into politics, right? One scandal, one problem, what happens? Boom, taken out. Why? Because it's wrong, right? Okay, so let's say that person changed. Let's say they repented or whatever or changed and had to change their heart. They don't get back in. They don't get back in. You get one shot, right? How many other things in society do we only get one shot at, right? How many things do we get one shot at? You want to know something, though? If Christ was the one that cleansed you, he puts you back to the place that he has created you to be. You are a created being with a destiny, a purpose, a God-given desire, and all sorts of important things that he factored in when he made you as a human being. He has made you so uniquely different and such an integral component to what he cares about. And it's not just doing tasks. It's a deeper thing than that. He has made you in such a fascinating way that as soon as you decide to repent, as soon as you go into the realm of getting washed in the blood, as soon as you come under the righteousness of Christ, you instantly go into a better place, into the place of being the man and the woman of God that you were made to be, that you do not have any shame, you do not have any anxiety, you don't have to worry about things. It is underneath the print of staying in the shelter of the righteousness of Christ, staying within continually, habitually underneath the presence of the, the power, of the potency of the cross. That you identify, every time you decide to sin, that you identify with yourself and you say, I took a nail and I pierced Christ's hand every time I sinned. That you took that and you, you were a part of that process of persecuting Christ. But Christ said that I forgave you. That Christ still said that I forgave you of that sin. I said that you did not know what you were doing, and I give you full justification. I gave you the gift of my righteousness, and so much more than that. But he gave us the gift of that righteousness. So guess what? Sure, it sounds crummy to bring things out, right? But that's what we need to do as a church. And when things come out, that we are able to actually be under this realm of knowing what it means to come to the cross, to give it to the cross, and to what? In the Bible, it actually, Paul alludes many times to making sure that you, you actually establish the person, that when you're doing that, when you're, when you're bringing them to the cross, that you're establishing them, you're focusing their energy, and you're putting them in the right spot. You're putting a person in the, per, the, the man and the woman of God that they're, that, uh, in the direction that they're supposed to be. You're, you're, you're pushing them in the right direction. And you hold no shame over them. You hold no condemnation. You hold none of those principles over the individual because they are living inside the righteousness of Christ. So a politician, if it was a politician according to the standard of God, let's just say, that it doesn't matter because if they were underneath, like this is just a hypothetical example, but if they were underneath Christ, they would be completely sanctified. If God had a purpose on their life, that that was what they were, that, that that's who they are, 
that they're completely now, they're sanctified through Christ. That if they remain under Christ, that they become sanctified and they will go in the right direction. So, you know, when you look at Romans here, at the very end, it says, do we then nullify the law through faith? For from it, on the contrary, we establish the law. So here's the thing. When you remain underneath the righteousness of God, it's like um, uh, in in the uh, series that we're doing, it's like a railroad, and it's like, it's the tracks. That's all it is. That's what this guy uh, talked about. He says it's like a track, right? But the cart that moves is your faith, right? So the law, all it does is just give you a guide, right? Oh, am I in the righteousness of God? Oh, no. Oh, no. Why am I not in the righteousness of God? Why did I sin? Why, why did I fall short? I'm not remaining in the righteousness of God. But when I remain in the righteousness of God, right, which is what? Which is a spiritual gift that's given to me through the power of the blood of Christ, through faith in that, in that blood, right? Now I remain constant. So when you fall off the rails, ask yourself the question, why did I fall off the rails? How did I separate myself from God in this area of my life? And how do I repent, come to the Lord? And how do I cohabitate with him again in this area of my life? Because my, my real desire is to become justified, right? Again, is to become made righteous again. How do we become righteous? Through faith in Jesus Christ, through faith in the blood, through faith in knowing that Christ cleansed you from your sin and that you come boldly now to God. You get to come into that righteousness. You stand tall. You stand firm in who God has made you to be. You do not deviate in who you are because you are now made righteous through a gift that was given to you. It doesn't matter what people say on the outward. You want to know what's wrong about that whole Matthew scripture about those Pharisees, the outside of the cup? Because you don't want to be exposed. You don't want to have somebody hate you. You don't want to have pain, right? It's the least resistant, like, road, right? It's the easiest road. But guess what? Through this small pain that you could experience, if you just you know, and the, and the whole idea is not even to expose people and to make them feel shameful. Because I, like I said, I could bring out a ton of scriptures on that where it talks about how God actually wants to work with you and get you free and get you motivated to do good things and to do it in a godly way that doesn't make you feel, like doesn't expose you and make you feel shamed. But he works through a process, right? And so we have to act on that process. We have to be willing to allow the process to take place. We got to open up our heart and say, God, I'm accepting your surgery on me. God, I'm accepting a place of cohabitation with you in this area of my life. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? Like, you have access to that. And so the thing is that that's cleaning the inside of the cup. That if those Pharisees were willing to clean the inside of the cup, guess what? They got to take off their fancy robe and act all pompous and they have to humble themselves and clean the inside of the cup that was wrong in their heart. So in church, stop playing around. Stop acting church. Don't come in pompous and righteous. You have no righteousness. Come in through the power of the blood of Christ. Come in with the willingness in your spirit to say that I want the inside clean. That I want the cleansing of the inside of my cup because my outside will become, will become clean as well. That as soon as my inside becomes clean, my outside becomes permanently clean. That's the difference. 
That's the power of the cross. That's the power of following after and living in the spirit and living in the cohabitation in living under the power of the blood of Christ that you acknowledge the fact that every time you have sinned you sh- you you are ca- you cause that blood that shedding of blood that's what the blood was for that you did that that we did that to Christ that humans did that to Christ we shed his blood that is what your atonement is that you're like I shed the blood of Christ I sinned before the Lord, yet he accepts me. He gave me a gift when he was persecuted through that. That he gave me the gift. He gave me the gift of righteousness. Amen? So then you get a gift given to you. And so there's a power in that. So my recommendation is take a bath in that righteousness of God. You can't be too dirty that the soap of his blood cannot wash it away guess what? You might be living feeling like you have 95% righteousness. You might be living thinking that you have a realm of righteousness. You want to know something? Soon as you go to, this is the power that we lose in the church, I believe, is that as soon as you go to the cross, as soon as you say, I've given it to the Lord, you're made 100. You become righteous. You, you, you take away the potency of the power of the cross when you decide to, um, to let anything come in and tell you that the power of that cross, the power of every drop of the blood of Christ, when you decide to, to take that and you say, it only cleanses me 95, I have to produce a works. I have to do a works now in order to prove my justification. No, 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 no. It was a gift that you never earned. It was a gift that was given And in the power of Christ, in Christ's own desire, and through your communion with him, that the power comes through Christ, not the person. Through Christ, it comes, and it cleanses you of all unrighteousness, and it gives you the power to be made whole and to be made righteous. It is only through that that you become whole, and you do not get a 95% whole. You become instantaneously free you become instantaneously righteous and so sometimes when we're looking at not even just our own righteousness but when we're actually going to the cross for our righteousness we we lose the potency of the cross so some of us may not go to the cross for our righteousness because we're so satisfied in our own righteousness but then there's some of us that actually won't acknowledge the power the potency and the power of the cross of Christ. Some of us deny the power of the cross because we decide to give in to the fact that it never became that potent and that strong. That it was 100%. That it doesn't matter how many times you've sinned. It doesn't matter how many times you've repetitively done something. That instantly when you decide to go to the cross and give it to Christ, that he has cleansed you 100%. From that, And now he acknowledges that you're a new creation and that if you remain through the power of the blood of Christ, if you remain in the power of the blood of Christ, that now you will be able to open up your imagination through the spirit of God to know the destiny and the God-given purposes of how you were created 
unfiltered from any spiritual negative thing that comes from the enemy. Because the enemy has a plan on you. And he will destroy and take out in one form or another some way of how God has actually made you to be this righteous individual. Check this out. Um, okay. Let's go to... There's so many points here. Uh, let's go to Matthew 16, 24 to 26. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone wants to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what good will it be a person if he gains the whole world but forfeits his soul? Or what will a person give in exchange for his soul? Loving your life and the value that you can see around you is not better than Christ himself. That if you lay down your life, that's the power of the cross. That when you say to yourself, I lay down it all and I'm giving it to Christ, that that is the potency. That is where it happens. If, what do you want to give for your soul? Christ is the only one that has the power and the magnitude of your soul. It doesn't matter what YouTuber you watched. It doesn't matter what kind of um, self-motivation, what kinds of counseling, what kinds of, um, of governments that you're involved with. It doesn't matter how powerful. It doesn't matter how awesome you might think you are in any worldly sense. That there is nothing, there is nothing that is worth the exchange of your soul. That if you've chosen to give that in exchange for your soul, and some people have the mis- has the, have the unfortunate um, aspect of they're in so deep into things where people have puffed them up so high. And, and it's like they get into drugs and all sorts of things when they go into Hollywood and stuff. You want to know why? Because you weren't, there's nothing there. They say it's so empty. You want to know why? Because it's never worth your soul. Your soul was made for one alone, and it was for Christ. And you, when you lay down your life, when you say it was never my righteousness and you give it to Christ, that now you have that. So here, let's go into Matthew 21, 28 to 32. It says, but what do you think? A man had two sons and he came to the first and said, son, go work today in the vineyard. But he replied, I do not want to. Yet afterward, he regretted it and went. And the man came to his second son and said to him uh, things. And he replied, I will, sir. And yet did not go. Which of the two did, did the, the will of his father? They said, the first, Jesus said to them. Truly I say to you, this is really important, very important. Please, please, please pay attention to this next point. Um, Truly I say to you that the tax collectors and prostitutes, prostitutes, okay? Tax collectors and prostitutes will get into the kingdom of God before you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness and you did not believe him but the tax collectors and prostitutes did believe him and you seeing this did not even have second thoughts afterward so as to believe him prostitutes homeless people can take you might look at a church do you guys think that the principles have changed now that christ came that now, just because you come into church the same way that a Pharisee does, that there's, you know, that there's, there's a different type of principle at work. It's the same principles. It's like, if you don't come the way that John said, what did John come and do? He came with, like, nothing. And he's like, like, you know, 
eating locusts and honey in the, middle of the, in the middle of nowhere, and he's like, repent, 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 for Christ is coming, right? And he's just like, and they're like, who is this guy? And the tax collectors are like, whoa, man, this guy's got a message. And the prostitutes, these are like the disgusting people. Prisoners can beat your people that are coming to church, that are coming out and not repenting of their sins, that they're going to get to heaven before they get there. They have all this exposure, yet they can get there. Why? Because the message was not uh, watered down. The message was pure. The message was received. That's the important part here. It doesn't matter what you think it looks like. It doesn't matter what you think it needs to look like at all when you come into church. It doesn't matter what you decide to act like, what you pretend on an external force. It doesn't even matter. What matters is what you're doing on the inside of your heart between you and the Lord independent. And when you get to a place where you become justified through Christ, through your repentance, that now you get access to what? To get to be a part of everything that God is. So this is the thing. Like, we give up our salvation so fast. And in North America, we rationalize so many things that we think that just because we're some, you know, like, I feel like we just, we have such tools at our exposure that we feel like we're now justified. Like, I just go to my church on Sunday and I'm justified. It's like, is that all the righteousness that you can actually obtain? Is that all of the righteousness that you can actually get? Is just coming to church one time on Sunday? That's, that's the extent of our righteousness? And the reason why I'm saying that is it's because it's going to Christ, right? That that's the extent that you're going to go and seek out who Christ is. Because when you seek out Christ, he's in your devotional time. He's in all sorts of times. We're going to get into that in a bit. But let me tell you something. A tax collector and a sinner is going to be at the front row seat of Christ, in, in Christ's kingdom, he's gonna, they're going to get front row seats because they've chosen the pathway of repentance. They're getting front row because they chose repentance. You want to be in front row? You repent. You want to remain in front row? You continue to repent. You want to become a whitewashed tomb and all sorts of deploratory things that, that Christ said in that book in, in Matthew, in Matthew 24 there? then just keep not repenting and you'll be classified in that category. Whitewashed tomb. You want to be that? You want that classification? I don't. So guess what? Wash the inside of your cup. Guess what? Get exposure. What does that mean? That means you have to get outside of putting up the external walls in your heart and say that no one's allowed to see what's going on on the inside. And not in an ungodly way. There's a spiritual way. And we're not going to go into that today. But there is actually a spiritual process to take place in even getting purified that way. There's, there's, there's leaders. There's accountabilities. There's all sorts of ways that that all gets worked through. But guess what? We have to walk through the process. You have to open up that process. You have to allow Christ to do that for you. Right? So the problem is that, you know, um, is that a lot of us, the reason why we don't have a smile on our face anymore 
is because we don't understand that we're not living underneath the power of that righteousness anymore. Why do we not have a smile on our face anymore? Why are we so dead? When did you spend time purifying your heart? When did you spend time resting in the righteousness of God? When did you spend time saying how much of a sinner you are and how much you love Christ and how much you just, you fall in love with him and you actually want to spend that time because you're like, you're so awesome. Like, it wasn't a person that became awesome. It was you who was awesome and that I get to experience you. You know, there's passages in scripture, I'm not going to go into it, but it says that seek after Christ, seek after God and that he draws near to you. He reveals himself to you. He opens up his spirit and he shows himself to you. That I don't think you, we understand what is there what's accessible, you know? And so my challenge is, let's be able to actually dig into this. All right, so let's go into Philippians 1, 9 to 11. It says, and this I pray, that your love may overflow still more and more in real knowledge and all discernment, so that you may discover the things that are excellent, that um, you may be sincere and blameless for the day of Christ, having be filled, this is it, having been filled with the fruit of righteousness, which comes through Jesus Christ for the glory and praise of God. The fruit of righteousness, having become filled. Are you filled? Are you filled with the gift of that righteousness? Do you wake up and say, man, I feel righteous today. Why can you say that if you, if you are able to say that? Well, I was just thinking on the Lord and how awesome he is, and he was showing me some really cool things about his character and how wonderful and nice he is. And these are the things that he has that are qualities and attributes that he showed me, and it made sense to my spirit. And now my spirit came into communion with him, and now I'm purified in that because I'm actually understanding it through a process that he is taking me on this journey in my life, and I become so excited because that's the only thing I'm thinking about today. I'm just thinking about what, what came out of that righteousness, what came out of that purification. Like, we only, you know, I was talking to someone about this the other day, uh, to actually, I think actually to my grandma and brother when we were down, I'm like, you know, like when you think about, and, and I was just one of those, those wide kids, so when we were driving, and we had like two hours of a drive, so I, I got into like some really wild thoughts, and one of them was, you know, if you like, we, when, we, when we think, we only think about one thing at a time, but I'm like, can we think about, like, multiple things at the exact same time? Because it's like, you can multitask, so you can, like, flip from one thing to another thing to another thing, but it's like, you can really only concentrate on actually one thing. That's what we all kind of came to understand, but we're like, but if you're really, like, smart or quick, you can actually, like, just hop quickly from, like, different topics all at the same time. So it might look and perceive like you're, you're absorbing multiple things, but you're only really focused on one thing. And I don't know why we got onto that topic, but one of the things that I want to bring out with that is, think about it. When you get up in the morning and you're living underneath the righteousness, underneath the blood, underneath Christ, underneath the righteousness, and underneath the blood, and then God's like telling you like, here's a new way of growing in your spirit. Here's a new way of, of becoming sanctified and purified. Here's a new way. You don't have time for anything else. So you only get excited because 
when you become underneath the righteousness of God, you can't live out, you can't live disgustingly anymore. You can't, it doesn't become nasty anymore. It's only in that righteousness. And it's, it's continuing down that path. So Romans 1.12 says this. It says that, that is that I may be in, encouraged together with you while among you, each of us by the other's faith, both yours and mine. So this is Paul. The reason why I want to bring this out is because it's like when we talk about faith, right? And we're talking about the righteousness being um, that it, it comes through faith and the blood of Christ. So this is Paul saying, what is he saying? He says that while among you, so each of us by the other's faith, but yours, uh, sorry, encouraged together, okay? By each other's faith. What happens when we're in a room where other people are living underneath the power of the blood of Christ, right? What happens, right? Whoa, look at the faith coming out of that person. Whoa, look at the faith coming out of that person. And then you go, and what do you do? You rest under the power of the blood of Christ. And what happens? You come out and you have a conversation and you're spreading your faith. And then we're all building each other up. Paul was encouraged by the church. It's like, you know, Paul's this high, got mighty guy on a cloud. There's so many scripture verses that just will blow your mind on, on the way that Paul was in his humility. But it's like when you look at how much Paul received from other people through that faith, it's that we need to be able to grow. There's no back door. There's no lying and cheating your way there. You come to Christ, you come to the blood, the sanctification of that righteousness, and you go through a process of working with people and having that sanctification being stirred up amongst each other. There's no other way to do it. So when you walk into a space and you see that there's a church and, and it's not happening in that church, you know what the action, if that's the action, what's the reaction? If that's the actionable perspective that's taking place, what will be the reaction of that? When you do things like a replenish retreat, when you have a replenish retreat and people go and get connected to God, what's the reaction of going to get connected with God? Hello? What's the reaction? Okay? When we decide to actually, ins like, actually get into the, the body of Christ, when we say that I want to actually live under the righteousness of Christ, when we actually don't lower the potency, when we don't acknowledge our own righteousness, that we become completely dependent on, upon Christ, and that we realize that it's, it's actually through Christ. So it means that we have to actually coexist with Christ in order to feel righteous. That you actually don't get to really understand that magnitude of that righteousness until you coexist with Christ. So the day that, the moment that you decide to, to, to step away from that is the moment that you're not righteous anymore. And you're going to start feeling guilty and you're going to feel shame and you're going to feel all sorts of things because now you're, you've separated from that cross that brought you into that place where you can actually enter into an, a whole other realm. And we're going to get into this, okay? So um, where does this, where am I here? Okay, so, uh, okay, so here's, here's what I want to bring out. When we're, when we're at our work, so the setting, the, the one I want to bring out is some people are like, well, I don't actually, um, I'm not in, in ministry, so, like, I can't do that every day. Yes, you can. And I, you know, I, I was working in all sorts of secular ways. You know, my wife, she works in that kind of a way as well, too, and I mean, 
There's lots of ways to do it. Put on worship music. If you have a job setting, make a rule. We only put worship music on here. Why? Because my righteousness in Christ is more important. Right? Put on worship music in your work setting and just be like, this is what I listen to. And if somebody else has a problem with it, be like, you're allowed to listen to what you want to listen to. I got to listen to what I want to listen to. Like, stir up yourself. Whatever way you can do that, right? Or, you know, um, fellowship when you have time outside of work. Even the fellowship with the believers, right? Um, You know, and just little things that we can change, right? The little tiny things. Like, I know people that put, you know, sermons on while they're they're, um, working and stuff like that. You know, this is something that I found really cool. So this is what I want to bring out, too. Is, so when I was younger, I remember when I was like, it was like when I was like three, this is a really distinctive memory that I have, is that um, like with my mom, she was like, I need to be able to pray, and I have to be able to focus on praying and talking to God. So I need you guys to do something. And so I, would, I remember sitting at the table, and I was coloring. This one day, I remember exactly where I was sitting and everything. I was coloring, and all of a sudden, my mom was praying. And so this is the one thing that I'm, I'm really thankful for from, from my parents is that when she was praying, all of a sudden, literally, the Spirit of God fell on me, and it was like, I'm sitting there, and I'm like, and I just turned to my mom, and I said, um, I said, I feel like, so God is here, and I can't tell you what that feels like, because it was just like God just had an experience there with me, and so from that moment, I remember watching, like, little kid shows, but then I would want to watch, like, Benny Hinn, you know, and at the time, it was just, like, about healing. Like, I know he, there were a lot of things that kind of came out and different stuff like this over the course of years, and he repented, and, you know, you can have a, an opinion about it. But for me, it was like seeing people getting miraculously healed at that age. It was like, wow, God loves people. And it was like I couldn't express how that relationship grew. And so one of the things that I was just really um, thankful for, like, even at my wedding, I said, like, you know, uh, to my mom, I said, like, one of the things, like, in, in one of my um, things that I said to everybody is, like, I'm just really thankful that, they, that my parents were able to introduce me to God, that I got to be introduced to God, because that is my righteousness. That was what I got to be, um, that I get for my atonement. That's what I get for the purification, the sanctification. Everything that I can get from God comes from experiencing who he is. So the best gift that you can give someone is the gift of knowing who Christ is, is the gift of their salvation, is the gift of living in righteousness, is that gift of experiencing who God is. And the only way they can experience that is by exposure and having that that gift that comes through Christ. We have to be conduits of that gift that comes through Christ. And so, you know, so that was something. But guess what? You know, that experience of righteousness, if I decide to step away from it, and I decide to go and do my own thing, I now do not have that righteousness anymore. I'm gone. I'm, I'm apart from the righteousness of God, because it's not a part of who I am. It's a part of who Christ is. And so the only way that I can experience that is by coming into Christ. That sinners and prostitutes and all sorts of ungodly people are going to be on the front row seats, worshiping the Lord, and accepted who God is through that forgiveness, and that I need to walk through that same channel. That even though, like, you know, a lot of people, they go, oh, well, he's been a, you know, a pastor's kid for a long time. You know, that's why he's so nice, and he's so good, and all that kind of stuff. It's like, guys, you have no idea. I have to lay down any form of godly, any kind of righteousness that I have in myself. I have to lay that down. You just might be a good faker. You might be a good faker, 
if you decide to live in a world where I don't actually spend my time with the Lord, but I'm a good faker. That's what, that's what can happen. But guess what? There's also the other thing that can happen too. And you want to know what that is? That you spend the time with the Lord and then what? And then you decide to repent just like the prostitutes. And I like saying that because it's like the prostitutes are up there with Christ, in close proximity with him, in relation with him. They live out their God-given purpose because they decided to walk in repentance. They get to be a whole person because they didn't lower the potency of, of the power of the cross. They get to live out that reality. You want to live that reality, you pay the price to live out that reality. You live under the same form of righteousness, the same form of godliness. I have to repent of all aspects of my own righteousness. If I want to experience that righteousness that I experienced when I had exposure to it, I need to habitually, continually do that same process to continually purify myself and go through that same process. Now here, this is a part that I want to bring out. There's another part. Don't let the devil lie to you about the potency of his blood. So here, here's what I want to bring up. So Matthew 4, 8 to 10, it says, so this is Jesus being tempted in the, in the desert. It says, again, the devil took him along to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to them, all these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, go away, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. So here's the thing. Satan came really, like, just sly. Adam and Eve, he did the same thing, really sly. <laughs> Tries to get in there, snuff it out. He snuffs out an element of that spirit, of who Christ is. So you get an element just <laughs> snuffed out of it. If he bowed down, here's the thing. If Jesus bowed down and worshipped Satan right there. There is no more any of this. Salvation, this whole process, gone like that. Here's the thing. This is the thing that's really interesting, okay? If you decide to take the potency of Christ and whittle it down to nothing, you decide to take out the things that God wants over your life. When you decide to deny the cross, the power of Christ, that sets you 100% free from everything that you became in bondage to, and you decide to lower your standard because Satan comes in and says, I think that you've never, you don't actually repent. I think that you're actually an evil person. And unless you actually start changing all these things before you come to God, you will never become that righteous person. And then you decide to never dream anything bigger. You decide to, you can't, you can't even imagine what your life can turn into because you're so ensnared by this reality of what? Of someone telling you that you have to accomplish the next thing and the next thing and the next thing and repent of this next thing and change this other thing, and do this other thing, where what you should be doing is saying, I come under the blood of Christ. I come under the blood of Jesus Christ, who frees me of all sin, who frees me of all unrighteousness, who's giving me the gift of righteousness, and through the power of the Spirit, and through the power of the love of Christ, and through his atonement, 
and through his sanctification, through every drop of his blood, through every, every aspect of his blood that I, I put my sin before the cross right now, and it wipes it 100%. It wipes it completely, completely out. And now, now I dream again, and now I dream again, and I rest in this place. And then all of a sudden, God starts revealing what righteousness is. And you're like, your spirit man now becomes open. You might not see this, all the tracks, and you might not see exactly where you need to go, but all of a sudden, your spirit man just goes open, and your eyes are now open, and you're like, I see something different. And God's like, I'm not exposing you to everything that's wrong and everything that you could be condemned with. What I'm exposing you to is what I can show you to reveal something to you that's going to change how you think, how you perceive, how you grow, because God is bigger than man, and God knows what you need to see, and he knows what the cleansing power looks like, and he knows how to bring in the proper order, the proper dynamic, the proper perspective that you need. You might need to feel like, you know, that you have a better vision of who you are. You might need to see something that God needs to reveal to you first. And then he shows you something in who he is. And you start realizing how the sin was so wrong and how it ensnared you. But now you have a power that's so strong that takes it out because you're walking in this new realm. You're walking in a spiritual realm that you get activated through being washed in the blood of Christ. There's no cheating it. There's no sidestepping it. There's no back door to it. It's simply repenting and resting in the righteousness of God. You cannot build your own righteousness. The only way you get it is spending quality time in the righteousness of God. And the only way you do that is by experiencing that on a habitual basis. That's the only way you experience it. You want to know why people fall away? It's because they've lost. They think they became in their own righteousness. And then they, they get away from, from experiencing who Christ is. And they lost what, what God had for them. There's so many ways the, the enemy will lie. Don't let the enemy take you out. He's a deceiver. He will weigh out, he will, he will take out that potency. There's so much power in the blood. There's so much power in his blood. <sighs> Guys, let me just explain something to you. Not only do you get opened in the spirit and then you become free, you can have a new perspective. And it's not what people tell you your perspective needs to be. Like there's a process that takes place, a spiritual process where you, you are respected in the person that God has made you to be. And God works out that salvation. How do you think a prostitute gets their salvation worked out? How do you think they get to experience the freedom of the, of the power of the cross? How do you think they get to experience that? How do you think they get to be in that front row seat? They get to be before all the pompous people that act righteous. How do you think they get that? Because they walk in, a, in the realm of when John spoke and the Spirit activated them, they instantly repented and they walked in a new realm, in a spiritual realm, not a law realm. The law it only provides guidance to show you, hey, guess what? You ain't walking under the righteousness of God because if you are, you don't fall off the tracks, right? When you fall off the tracks, what happens? Eh? we got to get into the righteousness of God. So here's the thing. Okay. Oh, man. Okay. So when you have this righteousness, not only are your eyes are open, guys, this is the thing. 
We need to get more excited, okay? This is the stuff. You could go to the throne of grace to have this power to raise you up and get you excited. You can have all the fruits of the Spirit. Um, 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 okay? Fruits of the Spirit. You, you're not dead. I can't express it to you. You need to die that old man. You need to become righteous. You need to have the shower in the blood of Christ and not just go, oh, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, Lord. You know, it's like, Lord, oh, I can't believe I did that. Oh, I repent. But then guess what? You go through that shower of the blood and you come out and you're like, hmm, I want to get into... I want to go to the, to the throne room of grace and I want some power to accomplish some things that I have in my, in my life. And I've got to skip in my step. And then I want to go and I want to get the fruits of the Spirit. And I want to just, I don't know, I just don't feel so joyful anymore. So I want to just, om nom 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 on joy. Mmm, perseverance. Om nom 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 nom. Patience. Om nom 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 nom. And you're like, woo! On the inside of your spirit, you're so excited and you're so enthusiastic. And guess what? You don't lose it. You want to know why? Because you remain in the righteousness of your Savior, Christ. You remain in him. And you're like, yeah, now I can exist here. You want to know why the church is dead? Because no one comes to that place of righteousness. And through the cleansing of the righteousness, then you get activation. You can go in and you can take big things in the spirit. You can actually go after lots of things. You want to know what you can experience. You would actually get excited if you knew the amount of things you can access in the Spirit. You'd be like, oh my gosh, when's the next prayer meeting? Oh my goodness, when's the next time we're all getting together? You'd be texting somebody from church and saying, yo, you have no idea right now. I need to pray with you right now. There's something that God showed me, and they're like, hey, you know what? God actually showed me the same thing. Oh, we were meant to talk about this. Let's have a conversation. That's the kind of stuff that happens. There's no backdooring it. There's only one way to it. Persevering through knowing that you need to come boldly. You need to come to the Lord. You need to repent. You need to give it to the Lord. You need to remember the power of the blood of Christ. You need to remember that you are not righteous. There's nothing you did that was great. It's only Christ that did it. And Christ that saved, sets you free. That you need to cohabitate with him. If you ain't cohabitating with him, you're out. You don't have the access anymore. The only way you get the access is through cohabitating with Christ. Cohabitating through knowing that that repentance and knowing that you're made, you're justified. You are justified by a gift. And in accessing that gift, now you get access to the great things. Now you get access to the wonderful things. Where God comes in and he's like, hey, guess what? I'm going to take the altar. And he just like comes down into the physical realm. And he did that right in the temple. And he went in and he had conversations. You can have conversations with the Lord. You can have so many things through the Lord that you've never ex even experienced. Things that would explode your brain because even if you were to experience and even like people couldn't even look God in the face. You want to know how much there is accessible to you? If we started activating the realm of the spirit and we started saying, we're going to come, we're going to remember the power of, of the cross. We're going to remember the potency of that blood and we're going to come and we're going to share together in knowing who God is and God starts opening up different new doors and new things that open up. You would experience so much more in your life. And here's the thing. Oh, this is the last point. Why are there so many rules then? For example, being in ministry, right? 
The blood covers everything. It's the same thing with the law, right? Why are there so many rules, right, in the Old Testament? It's not, that doesn't save you. I, God's, I'm not going to go to heaven and God's going to be like, all right, Aaron, I want to look at your resume. Yep, you became ordained. Okay, yep. Uh, all right, yeah. So you served in the church um, and then you, okay, then you remain there. You know, like so many people, even ministers, they defend their title so much that it becomes their identity or different things become their identity so much that they're like, you know, they're not a, like people that hide the sin that are, that's going on behind the scenes. They hide it. And it's because they don't want to get exposure. You think God's looking at your resume? He's going to call you a whitewashed tomb. You want to be a whitewashed tomb. I don't want to be a whitewashed tomb. So it's like, if you want to take me out of a position, I don't care about being taken out of a position because the thing that I'm looking for is Christ. The thing that my eyes are on is Christ. So the righteousness that I experience through knowing who Christ is is the righteousness that establishes me. So then you might say, okay, well then, what's the point of that? Is it, it shows having guidelines, having principles, or having things that we need to work through like that is a guideline. It's like, it's like having laws. It's like a guideline to just help keep it accountable, right? But it's like, it's not there to be the, thing, the mechanism that frees you. The only thing that actually has the power to, to set you free is Christ himself. It's like, so when ministers are falling and stuff like that, the thing that I got to get upset about, especially in North America, because I've seen it, like even with my parents, different things they've had to deal with with different ones and different stuff like this, is that they, they hide it. I'm like, and then I look at things that go on in the ministry, I'm like, where's the power? Well, you want to know what's happening? They're not having a shower in righteousness. They're not getting to know Jesus. They're not getting to know righteous, one man, Christ. They're not getting to know him anymore. They gave up on knowing him because they feel like they already knew enough. You know enough of Christ? Do you have enough that you can just have a textbook version of him and you can put your Jesus on a shelf and make it a religion? Or are you saying that I want a relationship with Jesus Christ and the power and the potency of the blood of Christ that will cleanse me 100% from all my sin in the moment I decide to make that decision? And instantly I get permanent access. I get, I get, get actual access to the heavenlies. And I can remain there. That I get instant access 100% full access. It's like if you go to a fair and you have a wristband on, right? And you can go on all the rides. You're like, boop. That's what you're doing. You're like, I want the joy of the spirit. Boop. Put up your, <laughs> I, I want a throne room of grace. Boop. Access. Access granted. Instantly. And then, you know, a lot of ministers don't, don't, don't think this doesn't happen. This happens a lot. Okay? What do the ministers do? Oh, look at all the things I did. I'm a minister. Look how great I am. I'm so good. I don't need this wristband anymore. I'm going to pre... I'm gonna, oh, well, I keep, sorry, sir, you can't get on that ride. Oh, no. If people don't see me on this ride, then I'm not actually... I'm not going to be seen anymore like a righteous person. So what do they do? They fake it. They fake it. They put on a big fake front. And what are they doing? They're not living under righteousness anymore. Right? They don't have access to anything. They're not getting on any rides. What are they doing? I know. I know. Time's running out. 
I'm just really motivated by this one. I'm so sorry. <laughs> okay, so anyways, that righteousness, guys, keep your wristband on. You want to get on the rides? You want to get on the things in the Spirit? Keep your wristband on. Keep the righteousness of God on at all times. That He alone is your righteousness. That you relate with Him and you have fellowship with Him. That you have a friend, the only friend in your life, who is actually made pure and righteous. One friend, righteous and pure. One person. And when you decide to hang out with him, you will be rubbed, it'll rub off on you. But when you don't hang out with him and you don't accept that gift, it's not rubbing off on you. All right. Thank you for joining us today. We pray that this message has truly blessed your life. For more information, go to bigchurch.cc.